Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual. Today, I have a super interesting guest with me, Henry Guyburn. Henry is an entrepreneur with a diverse portfolio, running from the tree surgery business in Southampton to educating and connecting people in the property investment industry, running a business mastermind and hosting the Fail Forward podcast. Now, Henry's unique approach to business centers around the philosophy of failing fast, a concept that many business leaders might find counterintuitive, but is immensely beneficial. So today we're going to dive deep into this concept and how it can help us reduce stress, learn quickly and accelerate our path to success. Henry, welcome to the podcast. Looking forward to this. Thanks for having me, Alexis. Cool. Well, it's great to have you. So, Henry, I've said in the intro, like you've got a really diverse business background with like a whole host of interests. Can you share a bit about your journey and how you arrived at where you are today? Yeah, so it's a long story, but I'll try and keep it as, as defined as possible. But I basically, my dad, uh, mum and dad ran small businesses all their life. They ran a restaurant and a hotel. They ran a meat wholesale supply business, a one-man band boat repair business. So all very small businesses. So my dad worked lots of long hours, a very busy man. But one thing he did is just make sure that he always said, Henry, start a business as young as you possibly can. So we moved around a lot, which meant that I was quite a disruptive teenager. I've never been diagnosed with it, but um, a lot of people say to me, I think you might have ADHD because I, I literally cannot sit still. And I think a lot of business owners will be able to relate to this because I, I think it's probably why I ended up having lots of businesses because I've got all these great ideas and I definitely need to have lots of complete finishes in, in my life. But essentially what happened with me being disruptive as a kid and being moved around a lot because we moved house because at the same time, my dad used to buy wrecks of houses and we'd live right. in them in a caravan or somewhere in a room on site and we'd do them up. He'd do them up for a couple of years and then we'd sell and we'd move so I was being moved around school all the time which meant that I just failed all my GCSEs I was really troublesome kid I got into trouble got expelled from school just generally just didn't like school did not compute with me I wasn't academic and I failed um, my GCSEs and I left school and the careers officer said to me what do you like and I said I like I like water sports and I like socializing well we think you should be a customer service advisor I don't know how that that computes to that yeah. But then my dad said, look, put his arm around me and said, son, you need to work hard, be driven, be committed and start a business when you're younger, because I wish I'd started when I was younger. So I was like, cool. OK, so I went out and did lots of jobs, worked in sales, worked in all sorts of office type jobs, didn't really enjoy being in the office, ended up um, being made redundant when I was 20 years old, then decided to become a tree surgeon. And that's where my the tree surgery world came into it. And I started climbing trees and going, wow, I can get paid to do this really physical, cool job, really exciting. And also I might be able to start a business in this. So we then started a business at 24. I made sure I told everybody I met that I wanted to start my own business. I then had opportunities come my way. I started my own business at the age of 24. And then I grew the business. Um, for the first few years, it was what I'd call a lifestyle business. I was 24 yeah. years old. My wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, we lived in a bed sit, which was £80 a week, all bills included. And we just sort of, we worked and earned money, went on trips and festivals and all that kind of stuff. Got married at 27. That's when I started getting ambitious, started thinking, okay, now I'm going to have a family. I want this to go somewhere. And we then grew the tree surgery business. And one thing that I always did well is I really wanted to look after my team. 
because I'd had some really bad bosses in the past, like bosses shouting at you in sales, playing mind games, like some just really tricky situations. And I always remember thinking like, like surely there's got to be other ways to run a business than just shouting at staff, like having that kind of Hitler mentality that I've got to get my absolute like pennies worth out of my staff. And I just thought, I don't want to do that when I started my own business. So one thing I did really well in the, uh, in the early days and, and even to now is I've really think that creating a coercive team cohesive team that works well together that really gets on and has a good culture is so so powerful so when we were working on this we then started and one thing I didn't realize is when you get the culture right in a business when you look after your teams right when you look after your people right they don't just it's not just a a good feeling for me to go I'm doing the right thing what actually in turn happened is they started turning up more they're more committed they work hard they they're the customer service like we've never given our tree surgeons customer service training but if you look at our reviews then people will go you know kind caring attentive couldn't you know couldn't do, do enough for us and that was without us intentionally making that happen that's because we were looking after our team and that's what they want to want to do and give back so we did really well with that but then so the business went from five to 10 to 20 to 30 to 47 staff. So we had this big seven figure tree surgery business, which I thought was great at the time. My ego was going through the roof and there was so many things that I was doing wrong at that point. I didn't know my numbers. I didn't know enough about systems. You've been systems, man. You know, I like you would have walked in my business and gone, ah, like what's going on? And, um, you know, we just didn't really have. Like we, we'd won a contract and that helped us scale the business, but we were all eggs in that basket of that contract. And overnight they changed the contract. It was a framework. And then a few other things went wrong. And we just had this like turn of events that the, the, the business just started going from this massive height of what looked really successful. I was being interviewed on magazines as the leading, wow. one of the leading tree surgery businesses in the country. And, you know, we were getting a reputation for being someone that looks after its team and we had this big business. But actually behind it, I was completely falling apart as a person because I we had this contract disappear. I knew all of the guys, like their family names, their gerbil names, the kids' names, you know, like I, I, we went, we drank together. We were like in the team together. And at certain points when I should have been downscaling the business and laying mm. people off, we were actually trying to push the business forward and scale up, which meant a massive turn of events happened. And in 2019, that business went under. And it went under with half a million pounds worth of debt, £200,000 worth of personal debt. I was just suddenly staring um, down the barrel of defeat of losing everything, literally mm. having to sell the family home. We had a newborn baby at home, a three-year-old daughter. Mental health was completely broken and we lost it all. We had literally went under, and this was BC before COVID. So this was May 2019. Fortunately, my wife stuck by my side. She's very patient or stubborn. I don't think she'll listen to this podcast. So I can call her stubborn. She wasn't, she wasn't <laughs> going anywhere at all. So she managed to weather the storm with me. And then we started growing and building, rebuilding businesses from there. And we, we went and started back into the tree surgery industry. And we, that's what I knew. And we started rebuilding, but we did it the right time this time. One key piece of information that I think mm. my dad missed out when he gave me that solid advice was, you know, go and be committed, hard work and driven and determined start a business when you're young but also go and learn about business yeah you know go and learn about how to do business and you know back then this was 20 20 years ago there wasn't the big kind of self-development world back then there was still you know 
Tony Robbins yeah, was doing was his thing back then, but it, but it was less though. And the, the masterminds and mentoring wasn't such a huge thing when I first started out. But also, I don't think I would have been ready to take it at that point or listen mm-hmm. to it because I had, and Nick James said this, we talk about Nick a lot, but Nick James said this the other day and I thought this is a perfect analogy. What's the worst thing that could happen if you went to mm-hmm. Cheltenham races with a thousand pounds tomorrow? win or lose and I instantly you think oh lose but it's actually win because if it's your first time horse racing you're going to get this confidence that oh I'm pretty good at this and essentially that's what happened with me we got we were we were good at some parts of business we won a contract and then we grew this big business so I thought I don't you know I don't need all this I've got this big ego we had a half decent house a camper van a kit car we went on holidays regularly it was massively stressful but I had these nice possession things so Mm. on the outside you think well this guy's like clearly made it but I hadn't learned enough about business and that was the really thing lacking. And I think without me going into rant about school, failing my GCSEs gave me a very fixed mindset of I don't need learning. And in my head, until I met my first business coach, Jeff, he gave me a book and I was paying him £2,000 a month to mentor mentor me. And I remember thinking, he, he said to me, you've got to read this book. And I just paid him the money as well. And I thought, coach me I'm what why do why do I need to read this book and he was like because your business has skyrocketed and your level has stayed down here like you've not gone up with a business and like you know new level new devil as you Mm. go up you need to know more and learn more and not even learn more it's not about you learning more to do it all yourself it's learning more to who to get to do a lot of the stuff for you so ultimately yeah it was a big learning curve losing it all but also ultimately it was the best worst year of my life yeah and it, i mean and thank you for sharing that because I, I think your one of the things that, I, that always strikes me about you henry is your candor your ability to take those knocks and share them what's and all and also not just to share oh and it failed but also how you felt about that at the time and in retrospect some of the things that you're doing where like you know ego got in the way and so on i think that's really powerful because i think we're all we've all got elements of that right there's always those those parts of the business that are built on more shaky footing and there's a temptation to be as you say like if you if things are going well if you've had some wins there's a temptation to say well yeah no i'm i'm good at this rather than learn and, and take new level and that's one of the things that i think you've really uh, taken on is that how do you learn from the how do you learn from the failures like what is it that you can do and i note that you know like your podcast is called fail forward you're big about how you can um, fail faster and so on like is is it those two events or are there other things that sparked your interest in, in focusing on failure and resilience and you know what why do you think it's kind of essential to to explore the, this aspect so yeah it's a great question and thank you for your comments out I, I believe just firstly that if i can um, be candid about everything that i talk about and i can bring the vulnerability level down on a side note i think as men especially men we need to do that more because we need mm. to ha- open safe spaces for people to go, okay, it's okay to, to, to say that things are going wrong. And, and how do I do this? How do I now navigate that? Because ego, and you mentioned it, gets in our way a lot. And I think ego yeah. has a lot to answer for because when we, some people think that your ego and the, the voice in your head is, is generally your ego talking, that's your driver, driver, but also it can be against you. It stops some people from asking for help. So how I got to this point is because I, had this big catastrophic failure 
I've failed quite a few times. So I first of all failed by getting lost on the way to school when I was six years old because my mum had read a Richard Branson book and they it said or, or article in the paper and it said if you want your kid to be entrepreneurial, you need to just like get them to do stuff on their own. I mean, I'm thinking now about my children, I wouldn't be sending them to school at six years old walking to school. But you know that was the first failure. Then I failed my GCSEs. I got expelled from school. I was bankrupt at nineteen. You know there was lots and lots of failures, but I wasn't ever learning from these failures. So at not one point was I looking back and going, why have I failed? It was like, I failed, right, I've got, got to get back on the horse, let's go again. And when I had the big catastrophic failure, I'd had this fixed mindset and my one of my sales guys, David, had left about a year before and he'd given me this book called Black Box Thinking by Matthew Syed. And I read this book at the point of the business going under and the book is all about the aviation industry and how failure is the key to success. And I read this book and it was like this light bulb moment of me realizing that this really tragically bad thing that's happened to me, actually, if I can learn from it, then it's not a bad, tragically bad thing at all because I can use everything that I've learned to to then elevate my life and not do that again. And people always ask me, what is the, what's, why did you fail? And I actually believe that it was multiple small failures that compounded into a very large failure. And yeah. what I mean by that is that you get the comp compound effect, which can work in a couple of different ways. It can work, the compound effect can work in a really positive way. If you were to have a penny and double it every single day, then you're going to have a, a substantial amount of money. If you're going to exercise every day, the chances are you're going to be fit. But it can work in the other way, which is that you overeat every day and you're going to be mm. obese. If you if you avoid failure and you're really scared of it and you try not to try your hardest not to fail and then you don't go through what I call the failure process on a regular basis, then you are going to end up having an almighty massive failure because those small failures are going to compound into a really large failure. So I, I believe, yes, I had this one big failure, but actually I think it, if I'd have failed quicker and faster, like we've talked about, then I could have avoided that definitely. Nice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think as you say, risk of having problems in your business and little, li those little failures that don't get addressed, they just kind of get swept aside. I can totally see how the risk builds up and then it all goes pop and so on rather than tackling those. So as a result, like, give us a bit of a, your kind of philosophy around this, around the, you know, the fail forward concept that it, uh, became the, the title of your podcast and particularly how this concept of failure like how can you use that to to reduce stress and increase success for business owners and leaders so i think it's a case of coming at it from a business point of view the first thing is it's accountability is the first thing and when i talk around accountability it's so easy when something goes wrong to instantly blame a mm -hmm. circumstance for that thing to go wrong so yeah. for example and um, let's just use my me failing big yeah. as an example if i had have lost everything and then blamed the company that we were working for that changed the contract blamed the staff for breaking kit blamed the economy blamed the government blamed brexit blamed whatever if i had spent all my time blaming everything then i would have just done the same thing again and I'd be back to the same place. And when we talk around ego, one of the most difficult things to do with in your ego is it's because you, your ego wants to keep you safe. So your ego's natural thing is to keep you safe, to go, no, you're okay. 
But the most challenging thing, and I, I actually ended up being quite um, low for quite a few months after the business went under. And I believe that was because I had to hold myself accountable straight away and go, okay, what have I done wrong? Like me, what have I done wrong to get to this point? And I wrote a what went wrong list and I then had to look within. And it takes a lot to do that because you're basically saying, what have I done? It's on me. I'm the leader of this ship. So I think the first thing is accountability. And if we can look at that as a leader of your business and instantly go, okay, when stuff goes wrong in my business, not the first instance to go, why did you do that? Go, what can I do as a leader? What can we do as a leadership team? What can we do as a business to lead that could have made this scenario different? It's like, for example, in the world of health and safety, as a business owner, it's always comes back to the business owner if someone goes and injures mm, themselves on yeah. site. It's always down to the leadership. And I believe that's the same in any part of your business. If your business mm. isn't right, being run in the, right, in the right way that you want, that's down to the leader who's leading the business. So when it comes down to, so that's like talking about it on a big grand scale, but trying to have an open, and I don't still don't do this well enough in all my businesses, and I'm, I'm trying to do it more and more, but having a open forum where people can feel comfortable to come forward and go like that, this didn't go like, I, this didn't go quite right today. So can we talk around it? And rather than if something goes wrong in a lot of businesses, if people feel scared to go and tell their boss because their boss is going to be unhappy about mm. it. They might kick off. They might get disciplinary. Being able to have people to come forward and go, like, I tried some stuff out today and it didn't go quite right. Like, what, what can we talk about this? And having an open area where people can go, yeah, we failed. This didn't go right. So, so an incident happens, something goes wrong, a client's not happy. Like, it's very easy to blame other things rather than go, okay, what could we do differently as, a, as someone working in this business? And what could we do as a whole business differently mm, nice. to make sure that happened, that doesn't go right? So like it's looking at lots of little mini failures and even the word failure is a really negative word. Like you look it up in the English dictionary and it's got things like loser, has been, didn't make it. So quite naturally, failure is a very negative word in our English dictionary and in our whole vocabulary from school, from when I've lost, failed all my GCSEs, I was classed as a failure. But actually, like when you look at it, you either win or you learn. And that's it. There's no failure. And if you yeah. if your whole company has that attitude of win or learn, then the only thing that people can do is win or learn. And there's not a failure. And you take away that whole negative stigma. And then you have an open culture of people feeling OK to come forward and talk about the things in the business. And then you can improve rather than trying to brush everything under the carpet, blame everybody else and doing exactly what Einstein says. That's in definition of sanity, trying to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah, 100%. Love that. And I think, as you say, it's the negative connotations around failure. I mean, that, it, like, I think people tend to avoid it, protecting ego and so on. And I love the fact that, as you identify, the best thing you could do is create an organization where the culture is more open to that kind of sharing and failing and that doesn't lead to blame. You'll be pleased to know that my, my nine-year-old saying that at school he'd learned that to fail <coughs> was actually an acronym or initialism which is first attempt in learning, F-A-I-L, which I thought was brilliant because Absolutely like that's, that. you know, yeah. if they're teaching at that level at that age, you're like, good, this is exactly how, how you should be approaching failure. And I think, I think you're right, like using those things as, as opportunities to learn. Like we often say when we're working with businesses, documenting processes, we'll often say like, look for those near misses, those mistakes are a brilliant opportunity to say, okay, 
what could have been done, what could have existed in our processes or checklists that mean that wouldn't have happened or is impossible to happen or whatever. And of course, as you say, using those little fails, those little mistakes, those little near misses allows you to avoid the really big ones later. So I do love that. One of the things that I think is difficult for business owners leaders is that nature of failure is, is counterintuitive and particularly deliberately aiming for it. And indeed, as you might talk about, describe failing fast. So can you explain like why can failing faster be a good strategy for business leaders, but also like bring that to life for me? What does that actually look like? Perhaps in, in your own business, how, how does that play out? Perhaps using an example. I suppose it's like, so failing faster means that you're going to find out the cracks and the weak spots in your company quicker. And if you can find out where your weak spots are, then you can improve them and, and build them. So they're, they're like a muscle going to a gym, you start working on that. And if you can work out, you know, for example, let's use something tangible, like working on a, a marketing campaign that you know, you're going to have to go and spend X amount on, you know, working out what's working and what's knowing quickly could save you a lot of money or make you a lot of money because you're going to work out what where you can double down and do more of and what you do less of and i know this might sound obvious to some business owners but it all comes down to tracking all the numbers within that to see what's going on and then work that out so not everybody tracks all their numbers not everybody looks at what they're spending on marketing and what the conversion rate is and all those kind of things so like tangible things i'd be instantly looking at any money i'm spending in my business or investing into product services or anything and going like what's working because it's so easy just to go oh okay i'll get x program i'll get this program i'll get that program i'll do this i'll do that because that's what someone else is doing and that's what someone else is doing i'll just copy what the other company's doing but then actually working out what's working you know it's the 80 20 rule like 80 percent of what you're doing will produce 20 percent of the results so what is that 80 percent and how do we find that out and i think if you can fail faster to get to that point that's kind of that's my mindset what finding out what's working and what's not and i think once you take the fail out of it and it's just like let's just be analyzing what's going on in your business and really looking and holding all of us accountable and saying what's working and what's not and i think for a business owner, you're not going to go, look, guys, just go and fail, like go and fail. Yeah. But you're having those conversations and going, okay, what did we learn this week? What went well? What didn't go well? You know, and having those conversations rather than when something goes badly, you just shout at them. And when something goes well, you just keep that to yourself and go, oh, yeah, I did. A, your ego goes, I did a really good job of managing this business this week because we've made loads of money. Cool. I'm brilliant. You know, and it's just, it's, I know I keep coming back to the ego thing, but it's going and being really humble with it and aware and going, okay, guys, what's, got, what's gone right? What's not gone so right? Like we, for, in our business, we have a team leader meeting every Friday where mm -hmm. the team leaders come in and they'll chat to, the, to, to one of my managers and they'll just talk about what's gone well this week and what's not gone so well. But it's not like when someone goes, oh, do you know what, this week, like, I forgot to tighten something up and then the chain fell off. And then the manager goes, what? Why did you do that for? Are you stupid? You did that training course. You should know how to do that. Go, okay, cool. So what, like, I appreciate your honesty with coming forward with that. Like, what do you think could be done differently next time? Like, what do you think we could all learn as a group? And then you can start looking at, oh, is it because you're complacent? Does someone need a refresher? You know, is it a business issue? Are we not giving you the right tools for your job? How we work, what are we doing to work this out? So it's less about like going to your staff going, yeah, go and fail. It's more looking at like the, the failures, the different small things that go wrong in your business mm. to work out what needs to happen to improve it, to, to keep moving forward. Nice. Love that. 
And I think, as you say, like making sure as part of your team meeting that you've got that opportunity to reflect and look at what's not going well. And as a result, do something about it. I think it's really powerful. I really like the um, angle, actually, of purposefully looking for an opportunity to judge failure or success early and being able to take those learnings fast because you mentioned marketing that's an area where my experience has been there are certain marketing channels where you can get a read relatively early in and it's all a bit of a spectrum so an example might be something like a piece of pr is probably one of the fastest where if you know you can judge success as to whether does it get any column inches does it get into the press that you wanted it to and then do you see some kind of uptick, a big spike as a result? Equally with some of the social media stuff, you can judge individual posts based on engagement and so on. However, most of marketing in my experience takes a long time to judge, right? Like, you know, you're not really looking for one individual post on social media to succeed. You're looking to build a following over time and to build up your brand. When it comes to say even paid ads, my experience is that Yes, in theory, you're getting data as soon as you turn it on, but the reality is it takes a long time before you can start to, to use that and make some conclusions. And content marketing and event marketing can take even longer. So how do you apply that? How do you make sure that you know, you're looking for the opportunity to fail it fast? You know, is it just as simple as just make sure that you're reviewing regularly and got numbers, or, or is there any particular angle that you tend to approach even before you've started to to run marketing experiments or implement something new in the business? Like, I think the main way to check anything in a business, as you know, is through the numbers. Like mm -hmm. track everything, like literally track the amount of, like you can do it on social media, talk about social media, the amount of insights you get. Like for example, right now we've got a TikTok channel and we can't get our views behind past 250. So, it just it stops some content we're seeing gets to a thousand views the most we've got is five thousand views but right now we're looking at going why are those ones because it's very similar content what have we done there that we haven't done there like what's the algorithm doing and not doing but i'd only know that by the numbers another example is we've just started we did some work for a, a new client who get, get said we've got more work than you can do with great okay so i've just gone we've gone and done it and we've recorded over three months our average revenue and profit each day so instantly over three months i'm looking back at it and going that hasn't worked before previously i would have just carried on doing it and gone okay there's yeah. loads of work here let's just try and keep making more money but because we've tracked all the numbers after three months we can go this isn't making enough money so i think the easiest way is to just not have your numbers dialed down on everything because mm -hmm. they will give you the logical part to be able to make those decisions. And like you talked about with marketing and a lot of things like, and I know I keep going back to this because I think our ego is so important in all this because you can also have ego based marketing where you're mm. chucking something out because you think, oh, I need to look really good. But then like, you've got to put your ego to one side and say, what is this working? And it's like yeah. everything, if you can logically tell your ego, because your ego takes over a lot, look, this isn't working, here are the numbers, then you have to stand down. And I think that it really, the answer to your question, I think a lot of it does come back to, to the numbers and being able to see what's going well and what's not. And that's one of the biggest things as tracking. And you can get really creative with numbers um, in your business, but the more you can track the numbers and work, and not just track them, but know why you're tracking them and what result you're looking for to be able to make the right decision moving forward. Love that, love that. And I, I think, as you say, 
being all over the numbers makes a huge difference. I think it's, it is always tricky then to say, when you then say, you know, track everything, because I think you then get the opposite end of the spectrum yeah. where it's like, it's almost analysis paralysis and you kind of, there's so much data. How do you conclude what's right? And of course, the risk is as well that through when you've got so much data, you can always pick something that's gone well and something that's gone badly, which has its strengths and advantages, right? Because you might go, well, yeah, we didn't get many customers, but it did really well for our profile, so we should repeat it. Or it didn't really do anything for our profile, but we've got loads of customers, so we should repeat it. And it's like, <laughs> you always conclude <laughs> everything that you do should be repeated because it was because yeah. you had the idea and you can evidence why it might have gone well. So I think that, that can sometimes be challenging. From your experience, you know, you've worked, worked with lots of different businesses, including, you know, you've got really deep knowledge on working with your clients in your mastermind group who are tree surgeons as well. Like how can, what are the kind of initial steps that you'd suggest for someone who goes, yeah, you know what, I want to create more of an environment within my business where, that encourages that fast failure and learns from it. And so what are the first few things that you'd say, okay, just make sure that you've got like these things, because obviously going from not really tracking much to track everything is probably too much of a big step. So like, where would you start? I think the first thing to start with is, you know, having that acceptance that every problem in a business is a leadership problem. And just having Mm -hmm. that self-awareness is the first step because you can harp on to your staff, but if they don't believe that into buy into you and that your leadership and that you're saying, because the main thing is you've got to hold yourself accountable. And to hold yep. yourself accountable and to ask your team to hold themselves accountable, you have to do that as a leader. And then right. your leadership team has to do that as well. So if I had somebody like I've had somebody recently who's been struggling in, in with his business and it's everyone else's fault. And it's I, I mentor and it's everyone else's fault. And it's a really ch- challenging job um, as a mentor to then be like, it's you. And that's the most yeah. difficult thing because it's like with love, it's you. You can't keep blaming everybody. So I think the most powerful thing any one person can do right now in their lives is go, I am fully accountable for the position I am in right now. And at first, that can be really overwhelming because if you're not in the position you want to be right now in your life, then that's on you. So it can be a bit of a step back. But once you get over that kind of, oh, then it's on me, it's the most empowering thing because there's only one person that can do something about it, and that's you. Um, so that's the most powerful thing I think anybody can do to have self-awareness is put the ego to one side, work out what, why you are where you are right now. And I'm not talking about like, you know, if you have some really tragic life, bad stuff happen with health and things, you, you can't help that stuff. But I'm talking about like situational stuff in life, whether it's job, career, business, whatever it is. If you can hold that, that you are where you are because of you and all the decisions you've made to this point, it can be the most empowering thing for your own journey, but then also everybody around you, because then all the people that you're leading see you having that awareness and taking accountability situations and they go, okay, well, maybe I need to start. You know, it's that leveling up for everybody. It's your environment. It's it's how you're leading. And if you can lead in that positive manner of holding yourself accountable, like we had a manager leave after 18 months and my ego through his hire was telling me that I'd done a really good hire. And it took me a long time to get my, and I didn't fail for fast in this scenario. I should have dealt with this situation a long time before, but my ego kept telling me I've employed this, I've headhunted this really great guy. So my ego was in place, but then he left and I could have gone at that point of him leaving. He wasn't the right person. He did this, he did that. But the first thing I had to do was go, okay, so what could we do differently as a business? Mm-hmm. 
And I think we've we've I could throw out all these different things, but I think the most empowering, yeah, yeah, the most powerful thing that anybody can do is lead by example and but lead with the and I'm not talking about having to go out and do 90 hours on the tools each week but lead by example of how you want people to be in your business mm. and have that accountability and then that will flow through and hopefully get empower more people to have that awareness as well when they're doing their day-to-day job yeah that's nice and what's it done for you like you know we talked about in terms of the sort of failures that you had in the in the past and particularly where you got your tree surgery business to a point where i think you said they had 47 people riding high looking all great and so on and then it it all got smashed to bits when you kind of lost that big contract what's as a result of applying this approach now in the multiple business interests is the interest that you have both in your own tree surgery and the mastermind and the property and so on like what's been the impact of that for you how does it feel different what's the impact in terms of results it's a huge impact i mean firstly losing it all really humbled me I wasn't an, an idiot before but i certainly had an ego and it humbled me it made me really appreciate my family my relationship like it's helped me to become a better husband a better father it's given me a lot of self-awareness of myself and the life that i want to leave and the life that i don't want to leave lead but ultimately it's now i don't see an opportunity for me to fail in the future i just only see opportunities to succeed and coming back to it again and i keep going back to the whole thing the holding myself accountable means that i wake up in a day and if i'm feeling tension or anxious or stressed because something's not right instantly i know that i it's down to me to make those decisions or to try and find the solution to to be able to work through that and that i think that's the most empowering thing that that anybody could have to know that you've got the world at your hands and you know we could but i hear people with conspiracy stories all the time like shut out the noise and just know that you are that you are i mean it sounds quite cheesy but you are the your own destiny like you are your own fate people call it fate and stuff but there's only one person that can do it do anything about that and that is yourself so i think that is the the biggest thing it's done for me personally is just given me a lot of awareness and then also realize that um there isn't a failure ahead it's just learning and the more you can have that experience and learning and open your mind to seeing everything as win or learn then you can only win or learn. So there is no failure anymore. That's really interesting. And I I love that for so many reasons, including the fact that, you know, I know that you've had tremendous success, you know, since then and built amazing things. I love the fact that's not where your brain went when I asked what are the results. You know, I purposefully asked the question as an open question to see where you'd go. And it's so interesting to me that where you went was all about the relationships that you've got, the mindset difference, because ultimately that's where happiness comes from. That's what it's all about in terms of life. You know, it's about making sure that, or or, or it's about building uh, relationships and enjoying the moments and, you know, enjoying that journey rather than going, oh, brilliant, I've now got uh, enough money that I can go on a big holiday or the kit car or whatever. It, it, it's, yeah, that mindset shift, like that is so fundamental and I love that. And so, Henry, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and, and sharing your insights with people. Like, how else can listeners get more involved, like learn more about the concept of failing fast, moving forward and so on? I'm conscious that, firstly, I'm going to make sure that I'm linking linking to you on LinkedIn in the show notes. I'll make sure that we share a link to the Fail Forward podcast as well. How yeah. else should people connect with you? 
So yeah, the podcast, obviously listening to that and giving any feedback is always amazing. I, I get some great feedback from that. And then I'm pretty old school. Like I know there's all these new things like threads and all that kind of stuff, but like I, I'm just on Facebook more than any other place. So if anyone wants to ever get in contact with me, the fastest possible way is probably just through Facebook Messenger. Just connect with me on, on, on Facebook. But yeah, it's been great coming on. And just to quickly go back to your comment before about where I went to, like my definition of success is the amount of time I spend with my family now. And that, that might change in the future because right now they're four and seven and they think I'm funny and they love me and they want to hold my hand. That might change in a few years time. So then my definite success might change. But I think that's kind of, I think, it's so easy to get caught into looking at what other people are doing and see their definition of success and think that's your definition. Mm. So my last final bit of advice is, is work out what really is your definition of success and follow that and don't get caught out by the social media world and watching what everyone else is doing. Love that. Thank you for that. Thank you, Henry. And thank you for sharing those final thoughts. I really appreciate you joining me on today's podcast. We'll make sure that we've got all of those links in the show notes so people can access those. And otherwise, that's all for today's episode of De-Stress Your Business. For everyone else listening, if you found Henry's insights helpful, and I'm sure you did, and you're perhaps feeling ready to embrace the concept of failing fast, do let us know. Share the episode on social media, tag us in, tell us your key takeaways. Uh, we'd really love to hear from you. Henry, thank you again for sharing your time and wisdom <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> remember to fail fast, learn faster, but most importantly, until next time, have fun. <laughs>